Man, well, this was a fun episode. We had a good roundtable conversation today about something that really was in the news a lot a few years ago, and it's starting to come back in, which is pre-sale properties or pre-sale investments. You know, today we talked about everything from buying it as an owner-occupied property to buying it as an investment, things that you need to know, key considerations, uh, what happens with the, the down payment, GST, lending, should use realtor, of course. So a lot of key considerations. So stay tuned to this episode. It was a good one. It's packed with information. Of course, keep in mind, if you're loving the YVR Remo Show, please send us a message. Shout us out on Instagram. Give us a review on iTunes if you can. And of course, subscribe if you're loving it. Enjoy this episode, guys. It was a good one. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. We're uh, we're having a good night already, guys. We've been uh, it's currently eight o'clock on a Wednesday night. It's been busier than ever. We've had more conversations over. The last three days with new potential people buying and selling, refinancing than we've had in the past month. It's just absolutely nuts. Derek, welcome to the program, first and foremost. Nice to see you. Glad you're alive. How are you doing, my friend? Thank you, sir. I'm doing well. Like you said, it's uh, it's busy. Things are starting to come back. We just saw some good news uh, released today. It's supposed to be opening up um, some restaurants and barbers and cactus clubs. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh boy, Cactus Club. I know you're excited. And yeah. speaking of Cactus Club, I've got Dean, uh, my other partner here, Dean Lawton. I, I can see that grin. He's very excited about the Cactus Club and getting out of the house. Dean had a baby five weeks ago, four weeks ago. What was it? Yeah, five weeks ago. Five yeah, weeks ago. Five weeks early. Sheesh. Hasn't been out of the house. So yeah, it's, it's been crazy to say the least, but... Uh, <laughs> Definitely excited to just hear positive news around the whole coronavirus in general. So that's really cool. Hoping uh, the rest of the country can can kind of catch up to BC. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been good. It's uh, the last couple of days, like to your guys' point, have been, I honestly would say, record days for, for us and our business in, in regards to the uh, just how busy we've been with with new inquir- and inquiries. And yeah, in general, it's a, it's a very uplifting week, I could say. I could say a lot of positive things about what's going on. So yeah, happy, happy to say the least. Perfect. And you've got me uh, with you here, guys. I'm uh, Alex McFadden. We are Thrive Mortgage. And we've got some interesting conversations to have with you today. Uh, something that surprisingly has been coming up quite a bit lately. Uh, we were having a conversation earlier today and brought up the fact that lately we've been hearing a lot about pre-sales, getting a lot of conversations. I mean, the reality is right now it's May of 2020 and a lot of pre-sales generally come due in the summer uh, or they're up for completion we've had a few come through but just in having a lot of conversations we've had so many people talking to us about condo buildings and townhomes that they bought a few years ago that are now coming up so i think that's where we're going to go today guys what do you say yeah absolutely yeah, always an interesting topic. So um, first and foremost, let's jump into what is a pre-sale. 
and explain short and sweet what that is. And then we're going to bring through everything from why do people buy them? What are your options for lending? Some pitfalls some benefits. And, and I think at the very end, we'll bring it back down and we'll talk about all some other considerations that, that people maybe miss when they're looking at pre-sales and what that looks like. So quite simply, pre-sale in our mind is generally we're confirming or we're talking about pre-construction properties in most circumstances where it's not built yet. And I think it's an important distinction to talk about pre-sale versus new build. A new build property being one where you know, maybe it's already been built, it's sitting there, you can walk through it, you can touch, you can see it. A pre-sale construction, you've got no, you got nothing there. It's not even sometimes a, a, an area that's been cleared, so it's, it's brand new. Did I hit the nail on the head? Is there anything else that you would use to define a pre-sale? Yeah, it's not moving ready. So you're going to wait where typically a new build is like to your point, you can walk through it. And if you're ready to purchase, you can probably move in within a couple months, right? So I say the biggest difference to a pre-sale is most people are waiting as, as many as 18 to 24 months to, to move in. Yeah, this was such a hot topic. Do you guys remember 2016, 2017, the frenzy all over the news? Um, it was in, in newspapers and magazines and online. And it was just like, uh, they, they, they couldn't get, like there was no sales centers, no nothing. I just remember our pre-sales were, were like candy. They couldn't get enough of those things. We saw lineups for you know, 24, 48 hours. The days of that are so long ago now. I'm feeling like now we got pre-sale. I got people that work in new developments calling me or calling us and looking for creative opportunities to market these properties because it's changed around so much. And I think that's why we're having this conversation today because this market almost is like cyclical. But when we catch it at a point right now, it's really interesting because of the different kind of pros and cons and timelines. So um, maybe Dean, what do, let's, let's get right into it, man. Let's talk about a little bit why people buy pre-sales. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just back to your point in 2016, it's like it was an exciting thing to to get into. Uh, it was like it was like Best Buy on, on Boxing Day, people lining up out the door to, to get one of these units. Right. And I think really it's just because of the speculation and the potential for appreciation is what was going on then in 2016. And that, that always that's always a component of presale where there is an opportunity to potentially uh, appreciate because you're usually waiting 18 to 24 months to take possession of that home. Uh, that's a lot of time for our market to appreciate and, and it, on average in in the lower mainland we do see a, a you know a two percent appreciation rate year over year so there, there is a good opportunity just in that regard from an investment point of view uh to you know putting a, a small five percent down payment in some cases to to secure it uh there, there could be a pretty good return just on the down payment alone and uh and then you know being able to sell it when it is moving ready you, you can usually do pretty good in, in in regards to an investment return but and, you know another reason why a lot of people look at pre-sales are you know maybe they can't qualify right now and they know you know they have an 18 month or 24 month runway to get their qualification in gear you know save more money for a down payment for example or just in general they know they got a raise coming or they're maybe on probation at work and they know that will be over there's a lot of reasons why somebody may not qualify now but feel confident that they can in 18 months when when the when the product's available to to essentially take possession there's a lot to dig into there yeah um, i mean exactly uh there's just so many reasons right but it, it, there's always a component of risk too which I, I know we'll get into later but just in general there's there's a lot of reasons why i think 
you know, somebody may look at it as, as an alternative option to, to buying now. And that could just simply be, you know, owning a second property they may not be prepared for right now, but they know, you know, maybe it's not a qualification thing. Maybe it's not a saving down payment thing, but maybe it's just in general getting their, getting their life in order to be prepared to be a landlord. And, and, and that's something that they're maybe looking to maybe get rid of another property that they have. And, and it's perfect timing to, to take possession of that one, uh, this pre-sale when it is ready. Yeah. I mean, just on our current market, I'm actually working with a client right now who's been laid off. He works for a, a huge company and he has absolutely no concern that he'll be going back to work in the next few months. Um, and he is actually buying a pre-sale and he's found a way to take advantage of the market, uh, getting a, a decent price on this property that he wanted to buy. And there's nowhere else that you could actively buy a property and you could make that investment and get approved for a mortgage while you're laid off. Right. So he's found a way to make that work because his property is going to be done in 24 months, 23 or 24 months. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's unique situations for sure. And it's going to be a fit for some and, and not for all, but definitely worth, um, looking into for sure. Yeah. Another area where it doesn't come up as much, but a lot of times when you're buying a presale property, you do have a little bit of an option when it comes to interior finishing, such as cabinetry. And sometimes they'll give you two choices or maybe even as many as three. So sometimes just the ability to pick little things like, you know, white cabinets opposed to, to brown it, it those little things can be a benefit too where you could have a little bit of a, a level of customization to a to a pre-sale yeah so so in our in our situations i'd say quite frequently we come across people who are looking at also buying a pre-sale unit or pre-construction unit for an investment purpose so some of the things that you spoke about we see all the time people who are buying them for the purpose of selling them before they're complete in assignment which you use less capital to purchase it, less money down. Uh, people who are looking to buy it and actually just rent it out because it's lower maintenance. We see you mentioned more time to save. Derek mentioned qualifications. So there's a lot of reasons people really start to dig into the idea of doing a pre-construction purchase as opposed to a resale property. But a lot of considerations come down to lending. Uh, that's what we've noticed a lot of. Obviously, there's the investment component, which we could touch on. Uh, and we will, but the lending side of things really get interesting because it's not the same as qualifying for an already built property. When you have an already built property, you're in a circumstance where the lender knows what you're buying. It's there. They can see it. They can touch it. They can feel it and you could sell it tomorrow and they know the value of it. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the lending options that are available for these scenarios. And we're going to, we're not going to do a too big of a deep dive, but an overview. And I think a lot of people don't think about certain things. Derek, why don't you take it away from there? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of planning required when you're buying a pre-sale. And I think a lot of people have gone about it in the wrong way. They go find the property, they tie it up, they give their deposit. They don't think about the financing. I'll deal with it in two years, right? Like it'll be fine. It's two years away. All of a sudden it's 20 months down the road and you need to qualify and you don't qualify for that property, right? If the value ha hasn't gone up and there's no appreciation, well, you have to close on it or you're walking away from your deposit, right? So planning is huge. Uh, if you're looking at getting into the pre-sale market and uh, essentially what we do is we do a full-on approval, a full-on pre-approval. We're running the numbers based on your situation today, right? And we need to make sure that you qualify for this purchase based on your situation today. So back to the planning piece is if you do qualify and everything looks great and you give your deposit, uh, you need to keep that top of mind throughout the next 12 to 24 months uh, before completion to make sure that you're not 
you know, switching from being an employee to self-employed uh, or, or financing a new vehicle or missing credit card payments, right? Anything that can affect your application, you really need to keep that top of mind. Uh, or at the very least, you need to speak and actively communicate with your mortgage broker. I had a guy that switched jobs between uh, giving his deposit and closing on the property, but we talked about it first, right? And we ran the numbers to make sure that it all worked. So um, a couple little kind of tips on the lending side is we do, there are a couple options. Most lenders won't give you an approval outside of 120 days before completion, so four months. Uh, but there are a couple institutions that we work with that are doing 18 to 24 month approvals. So that's very good if you qualify with those institutions, right? If you don't, you're in the other position that we just talked about. Um, most lenders, uh, well, pretty much all lenders, you won't actually be able to lock in your final interest rate until you're 120 days before completion of the property. So right now we have these amazing, amazing low rates and some people are thinking, oh, I'm going to buy this pre-sale because rates are low, but it's not actually really relevant because if you're closing in two years, we don't know where rates are going to be at, right? So that's something that people need to keep in mind. And obviously that's a component of risk that people need to understand before making this decision. Um, I mean, from the finance side, obviously for us, we're, we're running numbers. And like I mentioned before, we have a guy right now that's laid off, but he's buying a pre-sale, but it's because he knows he's going to go back to work. Right. Um, we have a handful of people that are, you know, they can put their five or 10% deposit now, and then it gives them another two years to save up to the 20%. So they bypass the CMHC. Right. Um, there are some programs if the, if the property appreciates, so if the property goes up in value before you close, there are some alternative lending programs where we can actually use the increased value at time of purchase. So it requires a much lower down payment. Uh, we actually did a mortgage for a fellow in Toronto. This is about two years ago now. And his unit had appreciated drastically. I think it was $200,000 in appreciation since he tied it up. And he only ended up putting about $20,000 of his own money into a $480,000 purchase, right? So we actually financed 100% of his down payment just based on this one very unique program. Um, so I, I think the most important part when you talk about lending and, and programs and policies is planning, making sure that you qualify up front and then staying on top of your situation throughout the process. Yeah, it's a good yeah, point. I'd like to speak on the, oh, sorry. Oh, we're going to say the exact same thing. Perfect. The planning component. So, so what, what is, what is the common Dean? You're probably going to repeat what I'm going to say here, but what is the common theme of when we have more success or less issues and we don't have problems is those clients have worked with us and chatted with us every three to six months. Let us know where they're at. We're talking with them. There's no fee for that. It's just a matter of putting it in place and knowing what we could do at completion or sidestepping because, Hey, six months out, we saw, Hey, this issue was coming up and we knew about it. Right. Uh, I really want to quickly touch on Derek's point about that product. We need to highlight that for a quick second. And again, the property that, that he purchased, he had purchased at a lower price point. You said it ended up at 480. Uh, what was the purchase price point of that property, Derek? No, sorry. His purchase price was 480. It ended up appraising closer to 660 or 670. Uh, he only ended up putting about 20,000 in and it was for some closing costs and just a little bit of a difference on his uh, down payment. But yeah, it went up drastically. So we ended up financing, I believe it was 460 or $470,000 because the property value had gone up so much that there was still 20% of equity available. So that's a that's a really interesting program. And I actually had experience similar to that where the, the client had purchased a property at 440,000. It appreciated to 575. 
So it was an extra hundred and but thirty five thousand uh, dollars. He he actually quite literally had no choice and was not likely going to close on this property without this program. We were able to again in your circumstance a similar idea borrow up to seventy five to eighty percent of the appraised value, which means he didn't have to come up with any extra down payment. And as a newly self employed individual that came to us, there was no chance he was qualifying anywhere else. So that's really interesting and that's a that's a key point uh, with that product. So I really wanted to yeah. quickly highlight that dean back to you you were talking about the planning piece yeah i mean the planning for sure the planning component is so important at before you write an offer or and if you have written an offer don't remove subjects until you've had a thorough plan with a mortgage broker that's something we is we just take so much we put so much attention into that piece of the puzzle because back to the point of why would somebody buy a pre-sale and if the reason is because they, they they don't qualify now and they think they'll qualify in 18 months or, or whenever it closes building out that plan and and us building out scenarios basically assuming that it's real life now you know you do have that raise that you're going to get in 18 months like let's look at that now let's make sure that those numbers work now because uh, it may not you may think it is and you know the person that you were talking to at the institution said it would but uh, did they look at documents? Did they did they run all the numbers and all the ratios and actually make sure that that was the case? Because if it's not, like, let's find out now before you do give that deposit and you do, you know, you are liable to close on that property. So the planning is so important at the very beginning, and then of course, like to Derek's point, as you continue to go through and you wait your turn to close on the property, you can talk about things like, hey, there's this other job opportunity, but I'm gonna be on probation for six months, but uh, what would that look like? Well, that's gonna be an issue. Like we can address that and here's how we can get around that, right? So just the planning thing, I just wanna stress how important that is at the very beginning. And then of course, like the ongoing the ongoing planning is, is something that your mortgage broker should very, you know, be very attentive to and on, on top of that. Yeah, in regards to, to you know, let's touch on this really quickly from an investment standpoint, because that's a common question. I mean, let's be honest here. A lot of the clients that we see and a lot of our clients that are purchasing these properties are looking to use it as an investment. So from a lending standpoint, there are some other considerations here that we haven't really got deep into. Uh, so planning is, is a key stage of any type of investment portfolio. And that's something obviously that you work hard on for potentially years. And sometimes those plans can go out the window. And one of the things that can happen is certain guidelines change, lending uh, programs change, or more specifically, and I know we're going to dig into this more when we talk about pitfalls, is property values can decline. Yeah. So this is again, we're lending. Let's talk a little bit about the lending solutions in those scenarios. So... You know, right off the bat, guidelines change. So what happens if you review your file with, you know, bank ABC and all of a sudden, you know, two years later, which again, we've seen happen a number of times lately, uh, they no longer allow that rental income or you haven't properly tracked it or we can't use uh, an economic letter, which is basically a statement of what the property would rent for or rental values go down. Then what are your options and what are your backup plan? I think this is another reason why, and we'll talk about the, the this point is, should you use your home equity to buy a property? And what's the importance of looking at your existing property in this scenario? So a lot of times, one of the things that we recommend for someone looking at using investments is always look at maximizing your existing equity and optimizing it. And a lot of people forget that you can use your existing property and you can leverage your home equity to be able to help you cover the difference in this property. Case in point, a property value comes in lower. 
so there's actually a, a property that we're dealing with right now in um, Langley, British Columbia, and that property is coming in consistently under value, uh, anywhere between ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. So I think it's important to touch on what happens when the value is lower. Derek, could you dig into that really quickly in terms of what the lender looks at when they see appraisals come in lower than what you bought it for? Yeah, um, they're, they're always going to use the lower of the two. So they're always going to look at the purchase price of the property and the appraised value, right? So whatever the lower of the two is. So if your purchase price is 500 and it appraises at 450, unfortunately, you're going to have to come up with an extra 50,000 in addition to your down payment to make that work. You have to cover the difference. Um, the lender, the institution, they're looking at the property as their securest a number. Uh, you know, if, if you're required to put a 20% down payment because that's how you need to qualify, maybe it's investment property or a rental purchase, uh, you're going to be putting 20% down on the 450 and you're also going to be making the difference up with cash, right? Um, obviously not an easy thing to do if you don't have an extra 50 grand laying around with most of us don't. Um, but it's a, it's a scenario that people definitely need to think about because nobody knows what's going to happen. Like take COVID as a perfect example. Nobody saw this coming. We were quite literally heading into the busiest spring market we would have had in two decades. All the signs were pointing to that direction. And now we're kind of seeing things a little bit fizzle away. And this is something that nobody could have foreseen, right? Um, and I think a lot of people that bought pre-sales two years ago that are closing in the next two to six months, they probably never would have expected this either. So um, if the values are coming in lower, uh, you know, there are some ways if you can position as an owner-occupied property, you can sometimes put as little as five to 10% down, uh, depending on the purchase price and depending on if you qualify for that property. But if you're buying it as an investment property or you need the 20% down, uh, you're going to be fairly limited. Yeah. One thing I'll touch on because we, we spoke about that program where you can actually uh, finance the higher appraised value in, in that situation, that lender would, would not like it would, they wouldn't work in reverse. Like, you wouldn't be able to finance the purchase price in that if the appraisal came in low like that particular yeah. program yeah that would be maybe, amazing yeah like that particular program they're they're just bit going off the appraisal so if it did go up great we got we got some advantages here but if it went down like you, you're hooped if it, if it went down you have to go through you know one of these uh different planning sessions to to figure it out and maybe like to your point derek decide to move in <laughs> yep I think it's important to note, and this is why we always express flexibility in your existing properties. So again, a lot of people who are buying an investment property are utilizing their primary residence or another investment property to purchase it. And so when we're talking about doing an equity analysis or optimizing your existing mortgage, we're looking at flexibility. Like we're not just looking at what's the rate. There's a lot more behind the scenes yeah. and digging into it. To one point, I just actually was thinking about this right now. There's recently been a, a program that we have been chatting about. We'll talk about it more in a later episode where you can actually get cash against the mortgage to cover debts and things of that nature. Sometimes it's just 5,000 bucks, 10,000 bucks that you're away and you can't get that from your existing bank. Maybe it's for closing costs or otherwise. This is where, again, someone like us can can work through some of the unique programs that are available to cover those closing costs actually right from the mortgage yeah. so i thought i should point that out really quickly that's a really good point um, actually 
Yeah. We, yeah, we can go on forever on, on lending yeah. policies. And I think we'll definitely have to do a second program on this with so many different investments coming up. Uh, can you use your line of credit right now to even buy a property? You know, what does that look like? That's been limited with COVID. Hopefully that goes away mm -hmm. in the near future. Uh, typically we would use that, but these are the things that we have to look out for, right? So uh, anything else on lending guys, or do you want to jump into some of the pitfalls and benefits that we started touching on? As we were moving forward, I, I mean, I think we can go on and on and on. So let's uh, let's move yeah, on yeah. because uh, yeah, we could keep touching on that. We'll be here all night. So yeah. I'll dig into the I'll dig into the pe the negative stuff. I like to talk about the positive stuff, but we got to talk about some pitfalls, and then we're gonna then we're gonna go in reverse, and we're gonna talk about some of the benefits. If you're thinking today about investing into a pre-construction property, so I've actually bought pre-construction, so I feel like I'm okay to talk about this and worked with. I don't know, tens and tens, maybe hundreds of clients. I have no idea how many people have bought pre-construction with us, but a lot, a lot of people. Uh, buying sight unseen, that was really an interesting experience. So I'm gonna speak just from my own personal experience here. So buying a property sight unseen, it's, it's almost exciting, but scary at the same time. And it feels surreal. So you're looking at generally something on a computer, a digital rendering, you're looking at a magazine fold. Some of them are incredible. They have little models. A lot of beautiful made up uh, properties and in some circumstances you can walk into almost a storefront and see what it would look like potentially keep in mind buying sight unseen doesn't always mean that's what you're getting they're gonna have disclaimers in the contract they can change things the designs can change just like Dean had mentioned you get to pick your colors but if they don't have that color available two years later when they're building that property or they don't have that tile later that's gone. So what you think you're buying is likely not going to change, ex uh, be exactly the same. And that, that's even down to the <clears throat> the layout. Again, I experienced it. I had a certain layout on a piece of paper and it changed twice from the time that I actually purchased the property to the time that it went there. Now, it, it's not all a bad thing, but it's just about being okay with knowing that. Um, aside from that, delays. So my property was supposed to be built a year earlier, it was actually supposed to be built in 2018, uh, didn't complete for a year later that, and I'm not the first person, right, like right at this moment, I'm working with seven clients who are completing uh, this summer right now that we're actually supposed to complete in 2019. So if you're okay with the delays and that's not an issue with you and you're okay kicking the can down the road, then I think that's totally fine. But being aware of the fact that this could impact you is a big thing. And again, it's just about being educated. I don't know if pitfalls is the right bird, but being educated. Uh, the warranty factor, sorry, the warranty factor is a, a good consideration. I'm going off another piece here, but where that comes in is construction quality. How good, like there's so many builders, like we do construction financing. So we know about the quality of builders and how many people are out there. And it's exactly the same in pre-construction, whether it's a condo building or a townhome. Do you know the resume? Have you seen their other builds? Even if that's the case, sometimes they rush through it. 2017, 2018, we saw so much coming up so fast that build quality started uh, deteriorating a little bit. And I don't yeah. know if that's changed a lot right now, but that was a big thing, right? Well, 100%. I mean, poor construction, the, the construction quality is something, There, there is ways to protect yourself around that. If you're buying a condo, for example, condo construction is very different from building a townhome. There, most developers that are building condos aren't building townhomes and vice versa. And the ones that, that do both are, are big names that you would know. And, and by looking up their website, you would see the past 50 projects that they've done. Like just some simple due diligence of looking up the developer and making sure they've actually built this product before would be like first step. If you've never heard of their name, 
like look them up ask around who are these guys because uh yeah you're gonna have issues with somebody that's never built a condo before a hundred percent you're gonna have issues and those are just simple things that you can just look up but yeah. the warranty piece i mean yeah yeah, yeah that, and, that, as, and that's where that goes in right is, yeah. is make but, sure you know, you've got that warranty even if you did have warranty like do you want people coming to your home repairing deficiencies every month no right as much as it's covered it's a pain in the ass that these people are coming into your home every month fixing one deficiency after another so warranty's great and all but there's well, peace I mean, of mind even, in life even having warranty um i know of some friends of mine they have a townhouse in surrey and they've been battling warranty for three years, trying to get yeah. items fixed that were supposed to be fixed and they come back and they fix them at a half-assed level and they're not happy and it's just an ongoing battle, right? So yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with knowing who you're buying from, knowing who the builder is, looking at their experience. And I mean, you know when you know when you walk into those sales centers, right? Like you know who's doing a good job, you know who isn't. Um, yeah. And you know, working with a local real estate agent is gonna help you guys drastically with that. Um, just- I think another, Sorry, go ahead. I, I want to go back on the delays, which I think Alex started with. When Really important. I know we're going to touch on working with a realtor when, when looking at a pre-sale, but some of those contracts have the ability to delay like 10, as many as 10 years. Like the language in some of those contracts are, you, you really want to look at those. Developers uh, put language in their contracts to delay, delay, delay. And there, there's some things that you want to catch. Like a, a really good developer prob- probably won't have that, but but the poor ones will have like as many as a 10 year delay. Like I've seen years and years and years of delay clauses in there. And those are just things that you want to watch out for too. Yeah. I think other key considerations as we round up the pitfalls, then we get to the good stuff is. Uh, itself can go through some dramatic changes a lot of times when you're seeing these properties and developments coming up you don't realize that a lot of the neighborhoods are going to change sometimes really for the good and maybe sometimes for the bad maybe you don't want to live in a highly congested neighborhood and you start to see that these different uh, developers are buying up a lot of the lots and lands so paying attention to what could happen in that area again that could go both ways last one we'd really like to touch on is life changes so in some circumstances again two years and then kicking the can down the road three years four years and three to four years ago my life was very different so just imagine what could happen in your life if your life is steady you've got a couple kids you know what's going on or or maybe you're by yourself and you just know that what your what your lifestyle is going to be like and that it won't impact it then you might be okay but if you're in a circumstance where you're in a relationship, for example, and might get married and might have kids and you're buying a condo with one bedroom just for yourself, maybe not a good fit for you. So maybe just kind of look down the road to say, would this work for me if I'm buying it for personal reasons? If it's an investment, totally different conversation, but for personal reasons, a key consideration. So let's get into the good stuff. Let's get excited here because there's a lot of benefits as well of buying pre-sales. And that's why somebody's probably listening to this. They're thinking, should I buy an investment, buy or invest into pre-sale properties? And what are the benefits in doing so? And again, you're coming from a mortgage broker perspective here and a guy who bought one. So it, maybe it's unique compared to somebody who's selling them or somebody who uh, works for a developer, right? So benefits of uh, pre-sale properties, I'll kick us off and I'll, I'll start doing a round table here. I mean, let's start it off. Nobody's ever lived in it. So you know this thing is clean. So COVID season just happened. It was just upon us. So a lot of people, they want a brand new place, clean, top to bottom. 
you know the only people that have been in there are the construction workers and the place has been cleaned top to bottom but real like realistically there's no dents in the in the walls it's fresh new appliances it's a good feeling it's like putting on a brand new pair of pants right i agree yeah, fresh toilet seats <laughs> fresh toilet seats that we'll we'll take we'll take that from it Derek maybe something more substantial there buddy no I agree I uh, I bought a I bought a pre-sale townhouse and it was amazing like you said nothing's been touched your your microwave's clean your fridge is clean the washer and dryer have never been used it's an unbelievable feeling so I think that's huge absolutely Uh, I think one of the other biggest benefits it's a potential benefit is a uh, an increase in value like we talked about before right um, buying a property and waiting to close ideally by the time you close on that property it's worth actually worth more than you've paid and there's immediate equity there right to close on and you can capitalize on that in different ways you can close on it refinance later uh, you can assign it you can sell the property before you close and just walk away with a profit right um, so in an ideal world and the world that we typically live in uh, here in the greater Vancouver area, you know, you do see a lot of that over the last five years. I think most people have been successful in seeing appreciation on pre-sales. Yeah, it's a good point. I'd say the other one would just be low maintenance, like uh, around the warranty piece is you're buying something brand new. So it's, everything's new to your point, the toilet's not going to break. And if it does, it's going to get fixed and it's not going to be out of your pocket. I mean, we've, we, we've, we've dealt with tons of clients that, you know, the day they move in there, there's a flood <laughs> or like, you know, not like, I mean, in a, in a, in a home that's older, right. Or something goes wrong and they're out of pocket for it. They got to fix it. So it's kind of nice just having the peace of mind that, you know, whatever you have as an issue, it will be solved and it won't be out of your pocket. And it's just in general, it, a lot less things should happen. So. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, additionally, on that point of, location that we ended off there on the negative side on the positive side there have been a lot of neighborhoods for example the neighborhood that i bought into there were a lot of rundown homes and i saw that as a future potential of the neighborhood substantially changing and uh, lo and behold the entire 10 block radius is being completely transformed into newer homes with young families and it's a lot better crowd than it was before that so the flip side to that is is a a better neighborhood i've seen people who bought in 2014 2015 in pre-sales into say brentwood area and saw the sky trains come in and you know we might see that in langley so from an investment potential investment standpoint that gentrification that that change of the area is a real key factor that's a big reason that you're looking to do it i just want to warn people though when we're talking about the property value going up what often happens is people bank on that never bank on that not the short term it's a long-term play always be able to close if you have to always have that in place but think of this again whether it's personal or from investment just like buying any property it's always a long-term play right yeah absolutely and i mean just to that point like it is a long-term play and a part of one of the biggest benefits i think is is there is no rush to to have to you know put this together and close on the property because in most cases we are waiting 18 to 24 months so just you know assuming you went through the planning process and you know you can close it is a nice uh, feeling to just know you have some time to really plan this out and uh, and and just make sure you're fully prepared when when closing does come in in time yeah, I think anybody that has moved from a house into a new house in a, <clears throat> in a two or three day period can agree with the fact that it is not enjoyable at all. Everything that you own is in boxes. You're trying to move. You're relying on movers. You're dealing with insurance and mortgages and lawyers. And it's 
it's just a very, very jam-packed process that we try to make as easy as we can on our side. But uh, yeah, I think the no rush thing is is a huge piece that people probably don't actually realize. Absolutely, guys. So let's go through some other considerations. Back to the financial considerations and and things that are often the most confused portions of this, whether you're an owner-occupied property or you're buying as an investment or otherwise. My favorite one, the one that is more confused than anything when it comes to new developments, and you tell me if there's something else, guys, on the financing side, is GST. I would say a show of hands, but nobody on the podcast can hear us. But is there anything that you guys have heard of that's more confusing for people than GST? And that's that that's everybody involved. No, that's it. That's, yeah, that's, that's it. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Just waiting for that. So GST, let's 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 just cut it right here. You pay GST on top of the purchase price. Okay. Most times when you buy a pre-construction property, in fact, every time I've dealt with personally, when you put down your deposit, 5%, 10%, 15%, whatever, that's not based on the total purchase price when it's complete. That's based on your purchase price before GST that you negotiate. So you buy a property for $500,000 on the contract as a new development. Once that property is complete, it's not 500, it's 500 plus GST and your final mortgage will be based on that amount. So your down payment will be based on that amount. Yeah, that's a question that I get all the time is, okay, if I'm putting my 10% down, but GST is 5%, does that mean I have to put 15% down? So the way it works is, and so there's another deciding factor here, the value has to be there. The value has to support the purchase price plus the GST, but assuming that is the case uh, come closing, we take your purchase price price plus your GST, and that's your new purchase price. So if you're doing 10% down, you're doing 10% based on the purchase price plus GST. So that, like you said, Alex, you know, when you're putting your deposits down, I'm, I'm dealing with a client right now. He's put his deposits down uh, 20%, but there's a shortfall and he couldn't understand why, but it's because we had to roll GST in. But it's actually to his benefit because if we weren't rolling GST in, he would be paying an additional 5% out of his own pocket. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think there's a lot of mis. There's a lot of confusion around the property transfer tax rebate when it comes to a first time home buyer. And they get confused that property transfer tax and GST are the same thing or, or for some reason they think the incentive applies to both. And so I think that that causes a lot of confusion too, because if you are a first time home buyer and the purchase price is under uh, 750,000, you are uh, eligible to basically have a, a zero property transfer tax. So sometimes people maybe get that confused and they think that they're not going to pay GST either, but that's that's obviously not the case. Yeah, now there are some considerations and there are some benefits as well for GST. So there's some, if you're buying a first property, you're buying it, again, it's got to be an owner-occupied property unless something's changed in the last few months that I'm not aware of, but it's something called a net GST rebate. And that's essentially where new, bo- new home buyers can apply for a partial rebate of up to, it's a weird thing, of up to 36% of the tax if the purchase price is $350,000 or less. 
Um, there are there is another partial rebate between 350 to 450. So generally speaking, most of the new development properties that we see in the Vancouver region are above that price point, but we do see some in the Fraser Valley and across the rest of Canada that come in those uh, ranges. Now, this rebate is in particular um, something that you always want to double check with your lawyer to make sure the numbers are correct. Double check with an accountant, verify those details, make sure you qualify. And we'll say that about any kind of rebates in any situation, but it's good to note that that's the case. And that's again, so if you have, if you are eligible for this GST or uh, total rebate, your total purchase price will be after that rebate, of course. Um, other notes to consider is a property transfer tax rebate. So if you're in BC and you're buying a property as an owner-occupied property, believe it or not, even if you're not, and this is a big one, actually, I hear this all the time. Do I have to be a first-time buyer to be eligible for this? Or do it, can I be a second-time buyer? What does that look like? As long as you're buying the property, not as a rental, you're buying a property for yourself, Double check the rest of the rules and restrictions, please. We don't have time to walk through all that stuff, but you buy the property for yourself. You're eligible to waive the property transfer tax, which can save actually a substantial amount of money um, when compared to buying an owner-occupied property that's a resale property, right? And that's up to 750 with a what they call a sliding scale up to 800. So once you hit $800,000, there's no more rebate. Again, key considerations when buying a property. So if you have one that's 700 grand, that's a pre-sale, and you have one that's 700,000, that's a... A resale, maybe that is beneficial to you because you're not paying the property transfer tax anymore. Yeah, those are really good points. I think you covered it all, to be completely honest. Yeah, I mean, just so you, just in number's sake, like a property transfer tax on a seven hundred thousand dollar purchase is twelve grand. So that's a big that is, that is a big savings and that is a big consideration and would certainly be a benefit to to buying a, a presale. All right, let's touch on a hot topic. Our realtors are going to love this. Should you use, this is a good one. Again, another one that comes up all the time. Should you use a realtor when buying a presale property? I'll start it off and I'm going to round table it guys on this one here. My answer to that one is yes, 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 yes. And yes, you should absolutely use a realtor. Now, not just any realtor. Of course, you want to make sure that they have some experience in new development properties or are very familiar with it because it is a little bit unique. So make sure it's someone that you trust. If you're out there listening, of course, we can recommend one to you. But remember, these guys are on your side. They should be negotiating for you. When you go directly to the sales center, they're awesome people that work there. I know some incredible people work at the sales center. They do an amazing job, but they are very good at sales. And their job is to sell a property for the developer, negotiate the property for the developer. And I think you have to keep that in mind. Let's roundtable it. Derek. Yeah. Um, so number one that a lot of people forget about is when you are buying, you don't pay the realtor a dime. It does not cost you a dollar. I've had a ton of clients that have walked into sales centers and they're writing the offer and they're like, hey, I don't want to pay a realtor. You don't pay them. They're working for you for free. Essentially, they get paid from the sales side. Um, the other side of that is you might find a, a presale that you love and you want to buy it right? But maybe you have a conversation with a realtor, but because of their knowledge in that area, maybe they know of another building that's a little bit bigger, right? With a south facing debt. You know what I mean? Like there's all these different pieces. You can get their understanding. You can get their take on it. When you walk into a sales center, of course they want you to buy it. Of course they're going to tell you it's the best building in the neighborhood, right? But the realtor who works in that area and has extensive knowledge is going to be able to point you in the right direction if it's not the one that you want to buy hundred percent like you have to use a realtor in my opinion there's especially around the contracts like these aren't your typical real estate 
board derived contracts most contracts are built by the the developer and their lawyer they look very different than your typical real uh con real estate contract and your realtor is experienced in looking at these developer contracts a lot of them are look the same like from developer to developer and a good realtor that has been working with developments especially in the area will know how to navigate that contract and back to like some of the pitfalls we talked about a lot of those pitfalls can be mitigated it by just dealing with a professional that actually knows uh how to deal with these types of properties and and the contracts i think are probably the most important piece in my opinion yeah, I'd say up until closing, it's not just the negotiation up front. One of the key things that I found in my experience was that the individual that you're you're working with is actually, they should be working with you all the way up until closing. And it's usually around closing times where things get sticky. And I see this all the time where the real estate agent then earns their keep. They're there to make sure the dates fall in line or making sure that the appraisal, well, not, maybe not the appraisal occurs, but making sure they're letting them in at the very least, um, making sure that there are any issues with the building that they're helping to kind of renegotiate that or push the dates out. It's one of those situations where you're going to pay the same amount in most circumstances one way or another, substantially better to have a real estate agent. And one last point I'll touch on, unless you guys have any others on that key note, is that I've found in my experience very frequently a lot of the best pre-sale properties are not released to the public first. Some of our partners, yes. our real estate agents that we work with all the time, actually, and we get these phone calls from them asking for our clients is, hey, we actually have the opportunity to do a VIP presale. Here's what that looks like. And you know, you might be able to get in early or maybe there's a developer that's allowing people to look at properties beforehand. So it's one of those circumstances where as people may or may not like it, but it's a free market. It's who you know. And getting in ahead of time, it gives you a leg up. Guys, that was that yeah. was good. Any anything else to round out on about that? I know these realtors are going to love this part of the episode. They might just snip it up and and take it. So <laughs> yeah, the only other thing that I would reference is is when you use a realtor and you close, I can guarantee you'll have notepads for life. No shortage ah. of notepads. Notepads, gotta love that. <laughs> Those Popeyes, baby. All right, guys, that was a good one. Let's yeah. wrap it all up. Hey, listen, if you enjoyed this episode, just make sure you subscribe. Give us some ratings on iTunes. Give us some love. That's all we're asking for. Our Well, truly, truthfully, our fee for entry is that you share this with somebody. So share it, subscribe, like it, give us reviews. We're going to take it all, everything you'll give us. So thanks so much from the boys and I. Have an amazing, amazing day, night, evening, morning, whatever the heck you're doing. And we will see you next time.